Uh, hey everybody, this is Drew Scooter here, and I'm going to be, t- we're tonight we're talking, this is our 14th episode, our, it'll look back at the creation of Otter Things, and this could be a good episode to listen to ahead of time, or to mainly to sleep through, or to keep you company in the deep dark night, or to fall back asleep to, or to listen to during the day as a distraction, or to repurpose in some way I'm not even thinking of. Uh, so it, it, what I want to talk about tonight is uh, a couple things, hopefully. like, And by saying this, hopefully it gives me structure, since these episodes are a little bit less structured, is uh, why odder things, and then uh, what worked and what was new and different uh, and what didn't work. And maybe some, even some technology talk, which could be interesting. And like some behind the scenes production talk. And then um, some what inspired it, which some of it's clear, but some of it might not be. And then if we have time, uh, what's next, which is kind of funny because when we hear about what worked and what didn't work. But uh, so. When I'm recording this, is like the middle of September 2020, and ideally this episode is coming out like about two months or a little bit more than two months after I recorded it. And then I'll start recording, and I actually already started working this morning on our holiday series, which will probably be a three-episode series. So, okay, what was the first thing I was going to talk about? Oh, why otter things? Uh, and I, I feel a little bit forlorn about this uh, because I think, like, I know I talk to a lot of the patrons because I have a little bit easier way to connect with the patrons and get their thoughts on things. And I know a lot of patrons that don't, that skip TV episodes also skip to this series, even though, which kind of, uh, I guess I kind of anticipated it, but I said, oh, man, like, I really feel bad. Uh, and I understand uh, that people skip the TV show. Really, I guess they're not listening to this, so it doesn't really matter. So the people that are listening to this can more relate to it. But it really made me not sad like an I statement and I wish you didn't do that kind of sad. More, I'm aware these are the pitfalls of making a sleep podcast sad, I guess. Because I feel like this ran very far afield of the TV show, and you definitely didn't need to see the streaming show Stranger Things to enjoy this. And again, like a lot of the TV show content I do, I go out of my way to craft it. So um, in a way that's very sleep-inducing, but I feel like it stands on its own because it was really only inspired... uh, or a parody, or whatever you want to call it, a satire of that show, or a tribute. And so just a little bit, and it's just a pitfall. Like I said, it's just a reality making a sleep podcast is that, uh, and that's why I do work so hard to keep the content coming in a variety of ways and keep switching every third episode is a little bit different. And actually it even influenced uh, some future decisions so I don't know, that just came up for me in the moment, so I wanted to mention that. But uh, the reason why uh, why otter things, 
Uh, one was it something that came up on an intro. I don't even know when. And I said, okay, that's definitely the, like, uh, it's something I would like to see made even in the greater world is a mashup of, uh, Emmett Otter, like exactly kind of what I made, but in a not sleepy way, like the Muppets and uh, stranger things uh, coming together. Uh, or yeah, whatever, like, uh, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas meets uh, Stranger Things, I really feel like, uh, I wanted to see that in the world or my idea, my tribute to that, uh, or my, say, well, I can make something that's inspired by those things, uh, in a sleep podcast to have a little bit more leeway. And when those ideas come up, even if it's years ago, much like everything else along the lines of this podcast, uh, like there's ideas that come up for this podcast that I say that's not going to work or I don't see how I can make that work or there's ideas I just forget about. But then there's persistent ideas that keep calling to me. And that was just one of, this is just one of those persistent ideas in saying, what about odder things? And I said, well, I don't know how I could figure that out. It was like a lot of times I put it off, uh, but it was there waiting for me to say, come, come and see it. And then I said, okay, whatever, months ago or even a year ago, I said, okay, like that's the slot in the schedule. Can we make it? Can we make odder things? And uh, so I said, okay, then we'll have, well, now, now once you commit to it, kind of your brain starts to move into the like uh, brainstorming problem solving place. So at least for me to say, okay, like once it's on the schedule for production, I say, okay, my brain starts working, even though I'm not actively working on it. I was working on finishing up whatever, but uh, get pesos. And then, uh, well, let's see. So then it, it, the schedule comes for produ- for the pre-production, the writing. And, you know, the other reasons why I loved, like I can still remember Whatever year, I don't remember the year Stranger Things first came out, but uh, uh, just the magic. And that magic, even though it's there for those of us that love uh, con- consuming media, whether you know it's music or uh, streaming shows or movies or podcasts, even then, the re- that real magic is... Uh, uh, so rarely, you know, when you get to experience it, you really do appreciate it. And then they, you know, followed it up with a couple seasons. And even the most recent, I don't know when I'm recording this, there might be another season that's come out, but uh, even season three, I remember texting people and being like, wait a second, like, uh, it had a different feel. And I just loved that. Uh, and I'd have to look at my text. I said, man, this feels like, and I haven't rewatched season three, so I'm not as fresh on it, but, uh, so it feels like they're like taking these things and, and, you know, putting their own spin on them. So it was like something you could be excited about with your personal community too. So that's another reason why it's like, geez, I just loved what they did. I also like, if you realize the level of difficulty with, uh, like uh, these youth-based characters being the leads. I, I don't know. Did you like when you go back and you look at you think about it? You say, "Man, how did this really come together?" Really was uh, like uh, like the sum of the whole is bigger than the sum of the parts. Or the sum, you know, whatever. I said, "Wow, it was so impressive." 
So that's another reason why. And then I said, like, I guess it's like a challenge, like very similar to other stuff I've done where it's like, well, why not then? Like, why can't we mash up and see what happens uh, uh, with if we combine these two ideas? Like, what would happen? I'm trying to think of any other whys. Uh, I don't know. I just said, well, that'll be interesting. And, I, and it's very, for me, visual, even though, like, when I'm talking about it, it, it kind of feels more blurry. It's like, okay, this is something I can kind of see. Maybe not as a, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see it with uh, with with Muppets, uh, but it could be like some other way, but uh, I don't know. But so, I don't, I don't know. So those are a couple of reasons why. Is why not? I guess and, and to say okay, and and then I just felt like again it would offer this challenge, and then this kind of goes to the pitfalls even more of like okay, we've done Breaking Bad, we've done Game of Thrones, we've done Doctor Who, uh, which all have their different archetypal challenges uh, to get kind of still to, to this extra hurdle of making it sleepy, and. Uh, so, so that kind of was like a challenge for me. I said, wait a second, how much is this going to make people resistant to listening? And I think statistically, I haven't looked at the statistics, uh, recently, but I'm pretty sure that they're performing at, at or above, uh, like where they're supposed to be. So they're not, the episodes are definitely not underperforming and a few of them may have overperformed. And that says a lot for Sleep With Me because Sleep With Me episodes are very consistent as far as, like, how many times they get downloaded, how many times they get listened to, the parts of the episodes they listen to. When I say 2% of people skip ahead to to the 20 minutes or whatever, that's like, uh, I mean, I could tell you, like, if we looked at three, 400 episodes, it would be within a very small range of deviation or these aren't statistics actually know off the top of my head, but like how many people drop off, have their sleep timer set for 45 minutes or 60 minutes. And again, that's all just server data. So it's not like your personal device or maybe no. And I guess it's like, uh, I don't know. It comes through the anonymized through your podcast app of Apple podcasts or Spotify or, I think those are the only two that show us kind of that consumption data, which is very important for me because I say, oh, okay, wait a second, do I need to change something or is everything performing how it normally is? And if you want, don't want that stuff, just use an app like Overcast uh, that's like more uh, uh, like just, you know, and make sure you pay for it. If you're going to, if you want to have more of like a, pay for overcast or pay for another podcast app that's paid for. Uh, Cause you can use overcast for free, but if you pay for it, then you're supporting it. Uh, so let's see. So where was I? Um, okay. So why outer things? We covered that. Uh, oh, so some of the hurdles. So yeah. We're making it based on a show that's popular that people have pre- preconceived notions about or direct experience with, uh, is always interesting with sleep with me. So when people have direct experience with something, that's a little bit easier because it kind of is an AB decision. They say, okay, I've watched game of Thrones. I, I don't want to listen to a podcast about it. And, it, and then they say, I'll listen to the other two episodes that come out every 10 days. Uh, or I watch that show 
and I'm too much of a fan and might listen to it during the day or I'm just not going to listen to it. Very, in this sense, a binary decision, yes or no. When people haven't seen something and they have a, a preconceived notion about it, for our show, I always think about Star Trek The Next Generation, which unfortunately... A much larger, and I guess it, it shows the great uh, expanse, I mean, multi-generational, it's the next generation, it's multi-generational show as far as pre- pre- preconceived notions about it. Because that's like the only thing that we make that consistently uh, has a big drop-off. And the big drop-off is just because so many people have a preconceived notion about Star Trek. And when I made Doctor Who, I wondered if it would happen with Doctor Who. It didn't. And when we made Strange or Otter Things, it, it did not have that same effect. Uh, meaning that the swath of uh, preconceived notions is just not as wide with those. And it's strange because Star Trek The Next Generation, I don't want to use the word vanilla, but it is probably the most... Uh, it's the least, like, it doesn't impact any, like, I have preconceived notions about Doctor Who. So when I say that about Doctor Who, like, I grew up in the 80s, and, like, every once in a while we'd turn on, this, like, PBS, in the, like, in the middle of the day, I mean, or, like, in the afternoons, like, uh, and there'd be a Doctor Who episode on, and, like, I wasn't, you know, able to grasp it. And this isn't a criticism of Doctor Who, just my childhood brain. And I'd say, oh, my goodness, I don't know how I'm going to process this. Uh, and that impacted my own personal consumption. People say, well, I'm a big Whovian. I'd say, oh, no, man, that's not for me. Like, that uh, that mud tunnel or whatever it's traveling, even that makes me, th- you know, when I see the credits. Uh, and I had to, like, have a direct experience uh, with uh, the newer Doctor Who's to, to uh, ch- you know, I had to have a curiosity, first of all, to want to have a direct experience to change my mind. All those things are not really, those are too heavy lifts to ask an audience uh, uh, to, to do. So it's just always like when I make something, I say, well, is this going to be like Star Trek? Now, we haven't given up on Star Trek, and we still do kind of about the same seven or eight episodes a year. Uh, because, one, I really enjoy making it, and, two, I think it has like a depth of fandom uh, that uh, it doesn't impact the budget. I mean, it, it, it's like a different—it just doesn't impact things— uh, uh, is as much, and I think by reducing it, it's actually like helped the episodes perform better with our overall audience. Uh, and it's not just about performance, but it is about you know sustaining the show. So I always have to look at all these kind of things and take them into account. But so I was afraid that there would be a big drop off uh, if we did a Stranger Things recap show, which we ended up. I said no. Uh, and then when I said, okay, well, we'll do odder things where there'll be a drop-off. No, uh, there was not a drop-off. So, like, whatever, some people skipped it, yeah, and I heard from those people, but the same amount of people that skip every kind of episode. Like, so some people only listen to the to the random episodes, uh, formerly known as Trending Tuesday episodes. Uh, episodes, and I don't know if, I, I talk about this a lot, but sometimes everybody hears things with fresh ears, like, so we put out three kinds of shows, and we alternate between those three shows constantly. TV recap, 
uh, random Tuesday style episode, uh, which could be anything or personal essay, personal story, made up story, board games, Ray, Bernie, seminars. And then, so there's that, uh, and then there's a serialized episodically modular series, which is one stranger things. And I guess I didn't quite realize that people like what I didn't realize is people would get it confused and say, Oh, that's just a stranger things recap, which it's not, but that's fine. And so there's like the overall sleep with me listenership. And there's a problem. The majority, I think the regular sleep with me listener just listens to the episodes, uh, but those are probably the people that are least engaged with the show. And the people that are most engaged with the show are the people that keep the show going by supporting it. Uh, so those people that are most engaged, they probably pick and choose their episodes. So some people are very specific. And some people actually, and I guess they don't realize this. It's like even if you only listen to one episode over and over and over again, over a, a few weeks to a month to a year, like your consumption kind of counts on my end as far as like trying to plan and, and stuff like, uh, you know, as much as somebody that just listens to every episode, it's like, uh, the new episodes in the end support the ability. Well, I guess that's changing slowly. Anyway, that's not important. But so what was my point in there? Oh, so that, I guess I talked, talked that out. It's like, uh, some, some, uh, I really wanted to make this and I was hoping the audience would respond and they did in a regular way for sleep with me. So that's one thing. So that's why, uh, then we go, okay, what worked and what didn't work? So it's kind of talking about what didn't work, which I kind of lead into the last thing that's concerning for me. Uh, I wouldn't say it didn't work, but it was definitely concerning for me. It was like, so writing the show uh, and doing it as a reinvention of someone else's uh, show, uh, it kind of felt like a little bit uh, of a, like it was less, it was, it was a different kind of work. I wouldn't say it's less work, but in some sense, uh, I feel like it gave me this advantage that I feel like is very dangerous. I say, that's not what I'm in for. Like, it'll be a while. I mean, we probably will return to other things, I would hope, just because I love the characters now. But it'll be a while because uh, even having some sort of basic loose outline gives me like like an advantage, which I guess in this sense paid off because I felt like the shows were even more able to be puzzle boxes to put you to sleep. But as a creator, I just wonder if I was getting my muscles like, uh, it's like, oh, you're just doing that one kind of exercise. Uh, Like, uh, I don't know if that's really helping you. I don't know. That might not make sense to everybody, but it's like, oh, like, uh, I wasn't having to break the story from the beginning. And it does remind me of, like, when we return to season twos or season threes, that there is, it is a little bit, uh, I'm able to be more creative on the story side and make it more sleepy on the plot side because I know the characters and how they're going to behave. And I can, then I can create situations where they'll behave or create obstacles that where they'll behave in the way uh, that, I, that I can predict or, or that I say, well, I know how Vaughn is going to react or I can picture Vaughn in my head uh, or uh, James Cashpenny or Richard Warren Sears 
where if it's a first season, like Dr. Triangle and Isosceles, even by the end of that season, I said, I don't know, even know how, what, like, it's still, like, you probably heard about it in my recap of that season of, like, uh, and just getting to know the characters after spending, like, uh, 8 to 12 episodes with them. Again, because of the hurried writing process of making constant, con- con- what is this, content? So, I don't know. That's just another thing that uh, I say, oh, okay, well, <laughs> I, I don't want to go back to basic. Like, I won't be, like, uh, the next few series, uh, uh, except for this holiday series, because it's going to be a soap opera, so it's based on an archetypal thing. Uh, but after that, uh, for 2021, it'll be interesting because 2021 now I have competing ideas, uh, which would both be season two. Well, one would be a season two and one would be in a, in a world of another show, I guess. Uh, so we'll see for 2021. Don't ask because I don't have any idea. I mean, probably it's not, it's probably going to be the one that's in a world from another series that we did a while ago. Uh, But we'll see. So, I don't know. There's just one thing I said, well, I'm not so comfortable with this because, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say it just, it doesn't, it it feels like uh, it was less difficult. uh, But I mean, it gave me more leeway. Like I said, when I, oh, I don't know how many people heard, but we did, uh, for 10 and $20 patrons, we did a series with uh, 12, 30-minute episodes that came out as six-hour-long episodes uh, of the making of Otter Things. So I talked a lot about it in there, uh, about, uh, I don't know, that was more about the writing and stuff like that. So, so it was just like, uh, oh, the, my surprise at, like, uh, when I was planning it, I've been planning down, like, because uh, now we put out about 100 or 90, 88 to 100 episodes a year, new episodes. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to try to do series uh, that are 8 to, to 10 episodes, maybe, or, or 12 on the large size, uh, because, like, each type of series we do would be, like, 33, well, 30, 60, 90, yeah. So we do 30 scripted series a year, 30 potpourri series a year, and 30 TV recap episodes a year. I mean, it's different because it's on a rotating basis, so it doesn't work out that way. But I do have to plan ahead, so it's, like, planning like that, and we're always mixing them up. So it's like 8, 16, 24, or 9, 18, whatever. I don't know. So, but then I also have to look at the calendar and not have any gaps in there. So I was trying to figure out with with odder things. I'm like, okay, this is getting, it's not going to get all the way to Thanksgiving. So what are we going to do in between the conclusion of odder things and Thanksgiving? But I said, okay, well, we'll figure that out. It'll be okay. And then each, uh, then it kept getting stretched out to where I was like, holy cow, this is going to actually be like 13 episodes. I can't believe it. And I think that was because, like I said, like because I knew the characters and I had a better idea of them because they were already inspired that uh, I said, okay, I have a little bit better idea of how they're going to behave so I can create things. So I don't know. I, I just something I'm like, I don't know if I, I want to do that again anytime soon. 
because I really just want to get out of shape of like uh, making stuff. And I don't think I will because the next thing next, I mean, the holiday series will be one thing that's just uh, kind of more fun. Three episodes. I think I haven't looked at the calendar and then by the time, uh, uh, let's see, right now we're in September. Yeah, by the time you hear this, I'll probably have this 2021 series, one or two episodes recorded, I hope. So that's what did, maybe didn't work or didn't, I mean, other things that didn't work. Um, oh, so technology-wise, this was interesting. So I watched episodes of Stranger Things a bunch of times, right, to try to get everything and get an idea and just kind of see how they did stuff. And one of the things is that uh, when you, like, uh, um, what's his name on the show? Oh, Hopper. He's Chief Hopper, right? He's the chief of police. And in, in, so in sh- Otter Things, they don't have a police department. They have a community resource department. It's just a different, I mean, they're, they're mammals. They're not humans. And they kind of have more of a restorative justice model. And again, I don't want to hear like, this isn't like, this is just about the fictional world they live in. I mean, it is a metaphor, but it's not like the metaphor that some people are jumping to. It was just like that, that, that's their, like, I mean, they're they're animals that live in a swamp. I I was saying, what kind of governance system would animals that live in a swamp have? and I thought it would be less punitive, uh, much more uh, cooperative. And I talked about that a lot in the beginnings of the series, uh, the first few episodes. So that meant that uh, Leon was the head of community resources, which is a very similar role. Like, But you'd say, well, would you, maybe he had like some social work background as well. And you know some sort of consensus building. I don't. I don't know. Like, or maybe you could assume that now. Uh, but also that uh, the, the so, but the the language is still carried forward. So it was like Chief Hopper, and then I was like Chief Bull. When I first started making, I said, "Wait a second, that's not his role, though. He's not chief." Also, I don't like that word personally. It's just a word I feel like that, that, that could be like disrespectful to some listeners and cultures. And I said, wait a second, I like to try to get that word out of my descriptive language, uh, especially for something fictional. And even from a technical standpoint, I say, well, it's not accurate. You can't have, you can have a head of community resources. But by using that terminology, but so what it was interesting is when I first started making it, like ideally when I'm recording, uh, like I have most of, it's been getting to the point where I have more and more of the episode written, handwritten, uh, and it, it might not be handwritten, what is that called, uh, sequentially, so I may have to jump around my notebook and stuff. And then I'm kind of like, you know, using that, like creating a, a new draft live while I'm recording it based on the draft I have in front of me. But sometimes that can mean immersing myself in that world and being there and kind of like, uh, I guess maybe this is a flow state. I don't know that stuff that well, but like uh, uh, the danger of falling into kind of a flow state or a deep... Uh, um, 
I don't know, whatever, a place of like living in your imagination is like, then I'm hearing the language from the show sometimes. And I was, so I was using that word and I said, I don't like that. And uh, how am I going to fix that? Like, cause they said, wait a second, the first two or three episodes, I used it more than I was comfortable with. Uh, and actually there's this piece of technology, this newer piece of technology called the script, uh, which really enabled me to go back and, uh, like find all the usages of that, which in the past would have been impossible or for older episodes, this stuff just is impossible, at least cost effective and time effective wise. But because I caught it in the, during the production process, I said, okay, let's see if we can just get this word out of the podcast as much as possible because I'm not comfortable with it and I don't like it. And my tech side said, okay, well, we could try this tool out and, and it's like, a just a new kind of podcast, uh, audio editing, uh, trans- like machine transcription, not the transcriptions we use for our main show. Those are done uh, by Leah, our trans- the transcriptionist that works with the show. But uh, so, okay, so then I, so I was able to like find all that and listen to it and kind of take it out. And uh, I don't know. So that's like a time that was cool that... Um, what do you call it? Technology enabled me to do that. Uh, and, uh, I don't know. So it's just, that was something I was happy about. And hopefully that's a tool like we can use in different ways. It's still not my main audio DA. They call it a DAW digital audio workstation. Like I use a different digital like that. And then the editors, like I'm only doing a final edit and a mix and editing, like, I'm not doing the edits of the recordings that Carl and Chris are. What up, Carl and Chris? So I'm not doing the, the first edit, which is kind of the most uh, time, <laughs> right, Chris, Carl, whoever's listening, uh, most time-consuming and uh, monotonous one. So uh, where was I? Holy moly. Totally lost as usual. So I don't know. I got to use that and play around with it, and it's interesting. And while it won't change uh, the regular workflow for the show, I was trying to do some mix some Patreon episodes on there, but I was having I got I don't have a lot of time to train myself either. Okay, so why other things? What were oh what worked? I think I guess we kind of talked about what what was I talking about. Oh, Descript. Okay, so we used Descript. Oh, that was interesting. What worked? Uh, I don't know. What worked with this series? I mean, one, it was like something I really wanted to do. And I really thought it'd be interesting to see what this what it would be like, how it would transfer over to a world uh, with things. I felt like it, it, I really enjoyed it. I felt like there was a lot of love between the characters and I felt like we had a lot of opportunities to really change, to make it different. Because, uh, one, we've just learned that trimming down, and again, I have the same problem with the holiday series I'm about to do, is like having a smaller cast uh, is uh, always a necessity. Because you say, okay, well, how many stories can we handle here on a sleep podcast and maybe that's probably why the show ended up being 13 episodes because there was like uh like a b and c and and even d stories to kind of follow and and and, and tie up 
which was a good thing in this case. But uh, again, it's like, okay, so the first person we we didn't use was Jonathan. Jonathan and Nancy kind of became one character, which in some sense I liked because then the Jonathan and Nancy character was able to kind of take the best things uh, from them and, and I guess in some sense and become Dari. And Dari kind of was one of the few, well, I guess a lot of the characters, because it's a sleep podcast, don't have gigantic flaws. But I was able to put them, like, keep it as a family. And then I was able to give uh, Mike on the show, Emma, uh, to have Tefe, who was very much like Steve, as a brother, which I said, that creates a nice, a nicer dynamic uh Though on the show, Mike and Nancy's relationship is a pretty good dynamic, too. I don't know. I just felt like Emma having to be a sibling with a, a, a smooth otter named Tefe was like, a, I don't know, it just was a dynamic I enjoyed. And thinking about their whole lives together is something, I don't know, I, I just found it uh, stimulating. So that did work out. And then... uh just kind of like keeping it simple. Okay, so then Francis is their mom. We did have a visit from Lenny, their their uh, biological dad. Uh, but other than that, like focusing on that uh, threesome of uh, Francis, Dari, and uh, Willow, even though Willow was gone. And then Bull kind of running the community resource department and having that just be having Bull carry most of that role throughout the series without any other players. Uh, then having the friendships uh, the, of uh, Mike, uh, Lucas, and Dustin as uh, uh, Emma, Vaughn, and LJ or uh, Elijah. That felt like that worked, and it was fun. Um, and then Billy, I mean, I had to name someone Max Modine. I think that came up in the intro before, too. It's like, uh, uh, anytime I can say, oh, yeah, Maximum Modine. That was like an intro I did once. Uh, I don't remember what it was about, but uh, that's how I like my Modine at Maximum. So that was fun, and then the idea of Billy as a platypus, that was a pretty early idea, probably before I started writing. And I guess we didn't get to play that up as much as I would have liked, uh, because, uh, I don't know, it just just time-wise and reality-wise. And then early on, it was fun to kind of figure out with uh, the first three episodes of Stranger Things, like, okay, there's a lot of intensity there that we won't have in a sleep podcast. How do we replicate the stakes in a way that's more sleepy and the consequences and or the fake consequences that ends up? Uh, and so that was a, where uh, Willow's music career came and, and these fake albums. So that was real creatively, those kind of challenges are really fun to say, okay, how are we going to make this? Uh, and then it kind of got more and more convoluted, like, uh, because it, like nothing could be straightforward with sleep with me. And again, I wanted this to just be inspired, not a re recreation of anything. So I said, okay, like, uh, 
How are we going to do everything with, uh, uh, like, uh, Billy and her powers? And where does that come from and why? And there ended up being some open mysteries, which I like, uh, because I have a better idea of the world they're in. Of, like, oh, okay, if we're going to return to this world, there's some other things, like the road in between the swamp and the uh, place beyond the swamp. Uh, these ideas that they struggle with of, like, are humans real or are humans just a rumor? Are we descended from humans? Uh, is that what Dr. Max is really worried about? Uh, military industrial ideas. Uh, so those are all fun to play with. Um, and then it was like, okay, like the the hardest part was like, uh, I guess it was trying to figure out, okay, we know what happens in Stranger Things. And we know that there's kind of these two different um, uh, forces at work in, in that show. So we have Dr. Max uh, Modine, who's one force. And then we had the, the uncontrolled force. Uh, and I don't know where I came up with the idea for Goose Bunny, maybe from Goose Chases, I don't know. Um, and that kind of felt like the most, I guess, the hardest thing, because you see, okay, now you're in, your, your, you are in archetypal nighttime things, so, so really having to be very careful. But at the same time, have something that can create a story that's moving. Uh, so it's like, how do I create something... And even the idea, I said, wait a second, this is risky. Having the idea of a bunny with goose heads to me, I say, I don't know if I like that idea. Uh, but I said, okay, well, we don't have to focus on exactly what it would look like, right? And then, like, I didn't want to go too deep into the mice and men trope. Uh, I just wanted to touch up against it because I don't want, like, uh, in my belief system about the story, it's not a one for one analogy that the bunny is like Lenny. But I just wanted to touch up against that for anybody that was listening to say, okay, it softens it too. And it's just a reality. The bunny, uh, what can I tell you without ruining everything? But the bunny's not, uh, well, the bunny's partially operating on instinct. Uh, well, I guess the Lenny was too. So the bunny, and again, Lenny, the bunny's intention is not to take people from our world into another world, like what happened with Babs, but it's to, uh, the bunny has its own intention. And the bunny's not a villain rewriting, seeing itself as a hero. The bunny's just doing, maybe this, yeah, the bunny's operating more on an instinctual base role, and it's like a caretaker, uh, and I, it was accidental, the, the, the irony that, like, it was a bunny that had to touch up against Lenny to kind of say, okay, this is like, a, there's an innocence here. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, but not pure innocence uh, or whatever. So, I don't know. That was uh, interesting. I don't know. That was fun. That was the biggest challenge. And then saying, okay, and then how do we make it our own with Billy's powers I mean, the songs came up early. I don't know if that was like even before I started writing that she was going to have song-based powers and then we could use the hits from 1991. But uh, that made it fun. But also that uh, it wasn't a, like, again, this is just inspired. So it's like, okay, for her, 
what can I tell you? Uh, whatever was going on with Dr. Max, uh, Billy was going to a, like, uh, maybe this takes place in what would be known as Florida. I don't know. And, uh, so maybe Billy was going to a different place in Florida for some reason. And, uh, she was seeing big billboards and stuff uh, for, for, for stuff. Uh, and then somewhere along there, she came over this, uh, her powers, uh, like connected another rift in, in the world, uh, or helped open up a rift, uh, between our world and another world. And that kind of part was inspired by, uh, Jeff Vandermeer's like uh, Annihilation. And, and I mean, I guess the other books in the series, the Southern Reach trilogy, and I don't know if that was what inspired uh, Stranger Things, but for me it was like, I guess it is different. Well, no, because it is organic kind of. Uh, but it was like, oh, how can I make this my own and what is interesting to me? And that whole idea, uh, and, and I know, again, it's different. I think the movie's very different. Uh, but uh, how, how does that idea, one of the main ideas in at least the first, well, it gets called back, uh, I don't know, the idea of towers and organic beings and stuff like that is a big in that book. And, like, I don't know, like strange connections between worlds and or whatever. So, for me, that kind of fit together with, like, uh, I don't know what we were trying to do. And then again, I was like, okay, what about this? Like, they had, like, uh, how do I create it as a world? I don't know. So that part is like uh, definitely more in a sleep podcast realm. It wouldn't work, I don't think, in outside of a sleep podcast. I mean, if you want to see someone make it work, re- like, bribe uh, <laughs> most people. I read this stuff at bedtime, but don't read Annihilation at bedtime. But uh, you might want to read it if you like uh, that kind of uh, sci fi with a level of intensity. But it definitely, I mean, it just, like, that book is still with me. I think I probably read it, I don't even know how long ago. I mean, not that long ago, a couple of year or a year or two ago. And just to some of that concepts, even I am still trying to grasp. And that the book had just so many mysteries, at least for me. I'm sure someone with, like, a double the gray matter that's using 5% of their gray matter. They probably absorbed it in a different way. I don't know. So that was like, uh, so those are some influences, I guess. And then of course, like Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, it rewatched that. And I talk about this a lot in the behind the Otter things, but like, uh, watching that with fresh eyes, not at the holidays. Now, when you're hearing this, will be the holidays. I strongly encourage you watching it. But watching it with fresh eyes, and it was my daughter's first time seeing it, which I was surprised about, was like the level of dignity and the circumstances of the characters, that had a profound impact. I mean, now they don't necessarily live in a swamp, but they live in a, like a like a forest or a, off a stream near River Bottom. But I don't know, the idea of the interconnectedness of the community, even though their community was much more consumer-based, I mean, it had conflicts between consumers and and, and capitalism and stuff. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, it, it has this deep, like, subtext or nearly subtextual social message and a message about just like Stranger Things 
in the end, what does family really mean? And what does real love look like? Uh, and I think both the series uh, covered that in a brilliant way. And, you know, what does that really mean? And uh, what does it mean that families deal with these imperfections uh, or imperfect circumstances? And how do we live with dignity and hope? Uh, at least, uh, yeah, I guess both the shows. And, I mean, I, I guess, like, when you start to look at it, uh, if you overlay uh, Emin and his ma and uh, uh, Will... And uh, Joyce and uh, Jonathan, you say, wow, there's some real uh, similarities. Uh, So I don't know. I mean, it's like uh, nearly subversive uh, when you watch, uh, if you really pay attention and you watch. And it's a beautiful movie and it's special. It's brief. it's also very, the beginning is like so slow, which was like a Sleep With Me episode too. I said, whoa, the pacing of this, though it does, the pacing picks up uh, where they really just spend some time. Uh, so I don't know. That was definitely inspiration, but also a re-inspiration by like sitting down and watching it right in the middle of making this. It really helped me say, okay, let's, like, uh, this is what it's really all about. And, I mean, my show, I think ours was more about friendship and community um, and love uh, than about family. Um, not to tell you the message, <laughs> but in uh, uh, more, I don't know, it just was. Like, uh, I mean, we got to explore a lot of interesting them- thematic things towards the end, like uh, Hopper's journey. Uh, or Bull's journey was different than Hopper's journey and the consequences of his actions. And then Lenny and Dari and Francis. But really, in the end, it was about, uh, I mean, Emma was our real lead in the heart of the show. And, and I don't know. I mean, I think the series kind of like you could make the argument that Mike is the center of uh, Stranger Things, but Emma was our narrator, which is a lot different. Maybe, yeah. I mean, Mike's this person that, you know, like, uh, and I don't know. I get to really like pay attention to a lot of things I've loved about Stranger Things, like Lucas. Uh, and this goes back to just things that characters have love on other series, so like uh, Data or Worf or uh, Sir Jorah or Tyrion of like uh, these characters. Like Lucas is to me very much like, uh, I guess he's like, he's, he's, he's a much better version than no offense to Sir Jorah on Game of Thrones, but they both, oh, or Bronn, uh, I guess Lucas is like uh, has the best qualities from both those characters without uh, some of the non-positive qualities of those characters. Uh, like like uh, Lucas, in some sense, was like this heroic character because he's the one keeping the eye on, like uh, he was keeping things moving forward. Now. I guess Mike, you could say, was like, oh, well, I have this, you know, like we got to we got to use our friend and this new resource. But Lucas was like, no, we have to find Will and and help Will. And then in the end, everything ends up coming together. But uh, 
there was that. I don't know. Yeah, so, so I don't know. So overall, it was really fun making this. It was definitely a new challenge. And it was different than anything we've ever made. And we probably will return to season two, but it will be a while. I don't know if it'll be in 2021. Maybe it'll be in 2022. And then, yeah, let me just take a few minutes. So we're working on our holiday series. That is going to be a soap opera with different characters, but it will be like as North Pole turns, but it'll take place in a different part of the North Pole. So that'll be interesting. I haven't started, like I said, I just started today with kind of like the basic brainstorming. But in reality, I got to record it in like uh, 10 days or two weeks. So we'll see how that turns out. Then after that, you have two things. Originally, I was like, okay, what are we going to make next? And then the idea came and it was like, okay, this is the next idea, right? Uh is something I've been waiting on and the inspiration struck. And I said, okay, that will be, finally we'll be able to make this uh, because now we have the the concept for it. Uh, so there was that. But then as I've been working on this series, D&D has played a big part, like Bards and Big Bunnies and D&D played a big part in that. And then uh, in my personal life, just during this time of uh, – Zoom and uh, connecting at a distance, D&D has played a big role in my life uh, because I've been playing it with my my brother and his wife and his son and my daughter and her mom. And I've been the DM, which was a new role for me to learn. And I, so, so I don't know, I've been kind of immersed in, the, in D&D. Uh, Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons, uh, that's what D&D is, and it's a role-playing game. And so then I said, wait a second, this gave me new I- like new ideas for another concept. And like even like what I really love sometimes in making this podcast is that uh, well, we don't do quite the nesting doll idea, but like the idea of stories within stories within stories, uh, I think that makes things really sleepy. And I said, wait a second, we could do like a, like a, there's a kind of podcast called, uh, I don't know what they're called, Live Play or something uh, like Adventure Zone's a pretty big, big, uh, like, or Harmontown used to play at the end of their shows. I don't know what it's called, Live Play or something where you listen, the people are recording their D&D sessions. And I said, wait a second, what if... Uh, that's the conceit just on the basic level. And then the the module is where our is our story level. So then we have uh, – so this is conceptually where I'm probably going. And I said, okay, well, the module doesn't – it's not going to be Bards and Big Bunnies. I said, oh, it could be based on in that world where we already have had a story. And I said, wow, this really offers a lot of uh, interesting, I don't know. So we'll see. So, I mean, we won't know that for a few more months. Uh, But, yeah, that's it. That's a little look back at Otter Things. I'm glad you're here, and I really hope, uh, let me tuck in. How about that? Yeah. Oh, you want to move that? No problem. And I just love Emma so much. I loved uh, working with Emma and feeling her competence and confidence. So thank you, Emma Otter, and everyone out there. Good night.